I'll just share like a one little snapshot of the relationship that I've had with Lori over the years. This one's sort of, it involves this little girl of mine, Caroline, who's on the ground drawing. One day I get a little Facebook message from Lori and she says, I dreamt of you and Carrie last night and I saw a stork. Are you guys pregnant? And I was like, shut up. Maybe it's spiritual, please, God. And because we were kind of overwhelmed, you know, the Jim Gaffigan joke of like, you know, when somebody asks him, what's it like having so many children? He says, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby, that whole thing. And, and it was a season of our life where we were chewed up pretty bad by some interpersonal relationship things, specifically targeting our parenting, right? You're bad parents. The only thing good about your parenting is that your kids are at GMS. It's the only thing good about your parenting is what other people have done. That's the kind of stuff that was messages that people were communicating. Specific, anyway, it's a long story. So you, you give this word. I accidentally prophesy we're going to have a baby. Uh, I think Dennis Yatuza says the same thing. Is she pregnant? Before we know she's pregnant, and then it turns out, we have Caroline, bonus baby one. We have another bonus baby right now that we're anticipating happily. Um, and I think about that sort of thing, you know, that Lori's just praying and hearing and speaking. And, uh, oh, and by the way, that's what they tell you not to prophesy in, in all the schools, isn't it? Never prophesy mates, dates, and babies because oh, well. it's too high stake. Um, God had another idea. <laughs> That's one little snapshot. I mean, of course, there are other snapshots that I could give, like Clay and Matt laying across the pew, uh, overwhelmed in the presence of God, and Matt saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. And Clay just laughing hysterically. Um, do you remember that at all? Oh, I remember all You of do it. remember that? Yes. And then th- there's other people I could mention, but I don't know that I have permission to mention them. But John and Lois, can I mention you guys? John and Lois were investigating to see if Tim was maybe maybe a heretic just slightly or maybe at least into some dangerous things. So they came up to investigate. They did the right thing. Rather than do a Google search and just believe what you read, they actually went with an open heart to, to receive from people's ministry. That's called healthy discernment. Unhealthy discernment is assume you're right, find websites to back you up, and then write people off judgmentally. That's bad. They came along, and Lori was praying for John, I shouldn't tell your story, but I don't think that one morning we need you to tell your whole story. So she starts, you started praying for John. You looked over and said, are you two, you look, you feel in the spirit like you belong together. Are you married? And Lois is like, well, yes. So she huddles up. And before I know it, I'm behind them trying to figure out which one's going to fall down and what I'm supposed to do because they're so filled with the presence. And I'm like, can you guys just sit down? You're stressing me out. And, and they're like, we got this. We're fine. Mm-hmm. Leaning on the wall, John's holding on to things. And I remember you saying, are you a construction worker? I see all these tools. And he's like, yep. Then you started to tell them the future. All these things. And I think for the next two or three years, four years, things that you said in your prayer came to pass, one after another. Anyway, that's enough of me. This is Lori. She's really cool. I like her. Standard Gateway, welcome. Thank you, honey. I love you. I love you. You ready? Do your thing and do your thing. I don't know. Okay.
Good morning, beautiful church family. Beautiful. You know, I love the way y'all love each other. There's always more, but every time I'm here, it blesses my heart. Like I was in the back and just watching how you love one another. I don't think you realize how precious that is. I've been to a lot of places, and a lot of places aren't like that. So it really blesses my heart to see that. I just want to encourage you with that. I just want to pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that today has been ordained by you. I give you my mouth. I give you my eyes. I give you my ears. I give you my hands. I give you my feet. I submit everything to you. And Holy Spirit, we invite you. You are welcome to have your way in all that you want to do. And I just lift up a spirit of heaviness off your people right now in the name of Jesus. So that they will be able to hear and to be able to see clearly. I command every scale from eyes to be removed right now that would prevent them from seeing who you are. I command every ear to be tuned to the tune of the Father, that they can hear what the Father is saying. I thank you for the freedom today that you've ordained. And because it's your will, we agree with it. And say it will happen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, Today is... I don't want to make something sound bigger than it is, but it's big. (laughs) Today is an extremely pivotal day for you personally and for your church corporately. God wants to take you somewhere. But there's some things he wants to do first. And I'm going to try to unpack that today. Um, It was unexpected. You know, Tim reached out to me and, um, and the Lord's like, yes, absolutely. You're to be here. So, you know, after a month I'm praying, okay, God, what do you want to do? Why, why are you sending me here? Why do you want me here? Besides, I just love being here with you because I love your, I love your church. I really do. Um, so when I woke up, well, first let me back up because actually this happened back in August after Tim reached out to me, the Lord gave me one word, one sentence, and it was, I want to take them from tragedy to triumph. Okay. Sounds pretty good to me. But I I asked him, I, I said, you know, what do you mean by that? Because that can mean a lot of things. But I want to know what his heart is for what he's saying. So I just want to lay a little groundwork first of where he's taking you. He's taking us. Now let's just look at the definition of tragedy. It's an event causing great suffering, destruction, and distress. There's a heaviness here. I feel it. But God's about to take care of that. 
because that's not where you're supposed to stay. And sometimes when you've been through a lot, it happens. But that's not where you're supposed to stay. You know, in times of tragedy, you might ask, why did it happen? Where was God in it? And the ultimate question is, God's still good? And we know the answer to that question. But do, do we live it? Do we really live it? And do you really believe that God is good? I mentioned last night, I know what it's like to suffer. My entire life has been a life of suffering. But I stand here today in a place of victory. That doesn't mean everything's perfect. But I stand here in a place of victory, and that is why God sent me here to you. Because I carry that anointing. And he wants to release it onto you. To be able to persevere. To stand victorious. To know who you are and whose you are. John 16, 33, Jesus himself said, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. You can look at that. It's really a promise, isn't it? He's telling you, you're going to have tribulation. So he did warn us. It's in his word. And let's look at the definition of triumph. A great victory or achievement. The joy or exultation of victory. A complete victory or success achieved, especially after great difficulties. Making the result particularly satisfying. Come on. Ha! 2 Corinthians 2.14 But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in, in Christ. Always. Do we, when we read, do we really look at these words? Always. That doesn't mean some of the time. And manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Do you see that's your reward? Do you see it? The knowledge of him. I can't think of a better thing than having a personal knowledge of him that sometimes only comes through experiences, through the things that we experience. Sickness did that to me. And I held on to Jesus tighter than anything I have ever held on to. And I may share my testimony tonight. But he brought me through. Him and him alone. Period. I held on to him and I never let go. And I still haven't until this day. The knowledge of him in every place. Every place. Every place, every trial, every tribulation, every suffering, every good thing that happens, every triumph, every place. Do you see him in every place?
how do we do this? 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in you, you know the scripture, than he who is in the world. These, you know, these scriptures are promises in his word of really seemingly two opposing forces, tragedy and triumph. But he always leads us in triumph. He is overcome. How? Right there. He has overcome. And all we have and all we need is because he is in us. He did it for us. So that precious, precious, precious Holy Spirit is there for us and never leaves, never forsakes. Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. There's the word all again. Did you hear it? All. All things. You know, there's so many, you know, you can look at, this is the first thing when the Lord spoke to me about going from tragedy to triumph. Um, You know, there's a lot of stories in the Bible about that. Um, You know, look at Joseph, the basic pit to the palace story. Um, Even when Lazarus died and Jesus wept. You know, you can, there's arguments. Why did he weep? You know, did he weep because his friend died? Did he weep because he was weeping with his um, friends? You know, or and or did he weep because they lost sight of who he was? Because he knew the end result. I think it's all those things why he wept. We have the ability to be victorious, to be triumphant because of the, in my opinion, the ultimate tragedy to triumph story ever told. And that's Jesus, who was beaten, scourged, nailed to the cross, blood dripping down on the mercy seat. But the other side of it, do we get stuck there? Do we get stuck there? It's a perceived tragedy, right? And in the moment, there was grief and great sorrow. But what's the other side? It's the resurrection where we need to stay. That is where the triumph is. And because of that, we can have the triumph. The word tells us how in Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Sometimes we lose sight of what that sacrifice did. The Lord also shared with me that this weekend would be a time of personal consecration. Consecration can be viewed as being set apart for the service of God, to sanctify and make holy separating ourselves from anything that would contaminate our relationship with the perfect God. 
separating ourselves from anything that would prevent us from seeing him as a good father. After 40 years in the wilderness, the children of Israel were about to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. And Joshua 3.5 says, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Do you hear that? What came first? An instruction. Consecrate yourself. They were instructed to consecrate themselves with the promise of the Lord to do amazing things. And that he did after 40, 40 long, long years. They finally entered. And in Joshua 7, the Lord tells Joshua to instruct the people, consecrate themselves so they can stand against their enemies. Another instruction. In both instances, the Israelites were given a promise and a command. Consecration was necessary before the Lord would do these amazing things. Just like bringing us to a place of triumph so that we can stand against our enemies. And I'm going to share a little more about that later. The Lord is going to take us right now on a journey of the heart. Besides the obvious stories in the Bible of tragedy and triumph, I was seeking, like I said before, what, you know, what did you mean, God? What, what specifically do you mean for this time? And um, I actually woke up on Columbus Day. And, um, you know, I was praying about that because I'm like, you know, why Columbus Day? You know, Tim and I were talking about that. You know, that was the day that, you know, we look at that America was discovered. Well, I just feel like the Lord wants me to share this with you. So back in September, I was in uh, Cape Cod with my husband for our anniversary. And I knew the Lord had a greater purpose of us being there. Um, So obviously it's near um, where the Mayflower came in to Plymouth. Um, So I was like, okay, this is cool. And I've never seen that before. But the Lord took me to a town called Provincetown. Has anybody heard of it? It's a pretty sinful town. Um, I won't get into all of that. But I really liked it. It was very sweet. It was very quaint. Um, And when I was there, we went to this beach, private beach. And the Lord said to me, "Um, I want you to claim, reclaim my original purpose for this land. He means this land, the United States of America. And he said, This land was here because it was given as a respite for my people. In other words, across seas where they couldn't praise the Lord like they wanted to and they were uh, forced to follow religious doctrine that they didn't believe in. They wanted to just follow what the Bible said. So the Lord had me stand there and proclaim it. And I just feel like In other words, what God was saying, his original purpose and intent for the United States was for his people. That means you and me and every other believer in Jesus Christ that can worship him in freedom. So to me, it signifies a day of freedom because that was the purpose for this land. A freedom for what he wants to do here right now. I woke up to this song called Take Courage by Bethel. I don't know if anybody ever heard of it and I, I'm so blessed because I asked Maddie 
if they could possibly learn this song, if it was possible, and they did it, and I'm so appreciative, and we're actually going to, at the end, they're going to play it for us, so we're going to be super blessed, because it's important. If God had me wake up to that song, there's a reason. And he shared with me his intention of bringing us from tragedy to triumph. And what I'm going to do is right now I'm going to read to you exactly what he shared with me because I do not want to taint his word. I just want you to quiet yourselves and listen with your spirit, your mind, and your heart. The Lord says, I am in the waiting. If you forsake the process... You forsake me. There are aspects of me you would never know. There is a level of communion you would never know. A relationship you would never know. A freedom you would never know. Beauty for ashes you would never know. The end result that I bring through the process is not the prize. I am the prize. A communion and relationship like none other. Preparing you for eternity. Keep the main thing, the main thing, me. Do not despise the process. Embrace it. For when you do, you embrace me. When you fight the process, you become stuck. You cannot move forward. You cannot move on to the victory I have already won. What are you holding on to that is holding you back? Yes, the victory is yours because it is my victory paid at an extremely high price. That which you are holding on to, that part cannot come to where I'm taking you, which is to triumph. I have designed you to carry my glory, to manifest my glory. What I am doing in you through the transition from tragedy to triumph, who you find through the tragedy, which is me, can come, but all others must remain behind. What is it that must remain behind? So many things. Lies of the enemy. Worry. Doubt. Offense. Frustration. Anger. Bitterness. Resentment. Apathy. Self-loathing. Appeasement. Foul or toxic relationships that you know are bad for you. Regret, the I should haves, the I shouldn't haves. The why did this happen? The why didn't that happen? The I'm really mad at you, God, that says, I really don't trust you in all things. Shame, fear, anxiety, the very word curses you speak over yourself, like I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. 
I'll never forgive that person. Things will never change. I've said that one before. I can't forgive myself. I'll never get over it. The hurts that you have claimed rights to. The vengeance you think is yours to have. The traumas of the past. The hope deferred. Unmet expectations. Insecurities. Inadequacies. Hidden secrets. And every sin that separates you from the very one who created you. And the Lord continues to say, my intention for the creation of man was never for separation. It was for relationship. But don't you see that the very plan of Satan to bring tragedy in your life is the very plan I will use to bring you even closer to me. Oh, how he will try to tear you from my arms. Oh, how he will try to get you to stay in that place of tragedy and the place of anger, resentment, insecurity, trauma, sin, and all those places I brought to remembrance. Oh, how he will try to get you to stay in a place that prevents you from seeing me and a place of focus on the wrong thing. But see, what the enemy didn't plan on was, I turn all things together to good for those who love me and are called according to my purpose. So, with whom do you agree? With the plan of Satan to keep you in a place of tragedy? A place where he is allowed to rule and reign over your heart through focus on that which must remain behind? Or to a place of victory, of triumph, where I, the very lover of your soul, rules over your heart with all peace, joy, love, righteousness, beauty full of hope, forgiveness, compassion, patience, self-control, holiness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and forbearance. The struggle comes from two opposing forces trying to gain ground in the garden of your heart. There will be a battle until you allow me to pluck out that which the enemy has planted. And if left there long enough, the weeds that the enemy has planted in the garden of your heart will have the ability to choke out the very precious growth that I have planted in you. The two can coexist for a while, but there is always a battle for who will have the greatest growth. The garden with the least weeds will thrive most as the constant fight to stay strong won't be there. Are you tired of the battle? Are you tired of the struggle? My word says, who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty in battle. 
I am strong and mighty to pluck out that which is trying to choke what I am sowing. But the key is allowing me to do it. Embracing the process and not fighting me. As I am the very one who loves you, who created you, who has plans to prosper you and not harm you. Sometimes you partner more with the one who wants to destroy you. This breaks his heart. I feel his heart breaking right now. Ultimately, if you are partnering with the enemy, you are not partnering with me. Your portion is triumph because I gave it all. So my victory is your victory. It is that simple. Tragedy is the enemy's portion that he brings to try to destroy you, to tear you from my very arms. I want you to partner with the triumphal plans that I have for you. My desire for you today, today, now, today, is to bring you from tragedy to triumph, of ruling and reigning with me as co-heirs with Christ as it should be. This has always been my original intent. But there is a condition, and you must be willing to lay down all the seeds that are trying to be planted by the enemy. For the two from now on cannot coexist. One will always choke the other out, and the enemy will always try to to defile that which I bring. So I say to you today, Are you ready to go from tragedy to triumph? To move into my fullness for your life. To move into the freedom I have ordained for you. To carry the level of glory I have called you to carry. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on me because I am your reward. You see, the tragedy God is referring to is not just what happened to you, what didn't happen to you, the things you have gone through, but it's to where has our focus been stunted? What reaction has the tragedy caused that has been held onto and taken roots in our hearts? even often without us even knowing. The Lord showed me um, this path. We're all on this path. This is called the, the path of faith, the path of destiny. And we're taking steps, every single one of us. We're supposed to be going from glory to glory. But in comes a lie of the enemy that says, you're such a screw-up. That says, you're never going to be well again. You're always going to be sick. So here, this is God's path. 
And when these lies come, we somehow step over here. Or we somehow step over here. Sometimes we can get ourselves back on the path and we start to walk again. And then you have another choice to make. Because a lot of it's about choice. I had a choice that I had to make this week. And I haven't shared this with anybody but my husband and two people here last night. I had a mammogram on Monday that showed that I have calcifications on the one side that are in a cluster. It could be a bad thing. I have to go see a specialist in a week. But see, I made a choice. And I knew I was coming here and I knew what the enemy wanted to do. I'm not going to let him distract me because I know I was called to be here and to come fully in his presence and fully in his anointing. So I made a choice. I didn't come over here and partner with fear. Nope. And let me tell you, I've been through a lot. I know what it's like to be sick. So I'm over here in faith, choosing not to partner with the enemy. Somebody comes along, says something hurtful to you, offended you, took you into a place of unforgiveness and you didn't even realize it. Where does that take you? Off the path. And there's so many examples we could use. God gave us a, that was a big list. (laughs) That was a really big list. But the point is, the reason we come over here, the reason we come over here, what the Lord showed me, is see, this path in front of us is Jesus Christ himself. So the reason we came over here and came over here is because our eyes came off him and the way he told me it is that he is our destiny literally your destiny is woven in him and sometimes when you walk the enemy will try to bring that heaviness on you and this is what I saw in the spirit and sometimes it looks like this and you're you're walking but your eyes are fixated on him And the enemy's over here. I want you to partner with fear. I want you to be mad. I want you to believe that lie. But your eyes are fixated on him. And sometimes when you walk, it looks like this. Because the enemy tries to bring that heaviness. He tries to make you carry the very burdens that were laid right here. The very burdens that are supposed to be here. And that is why we feel heavy. Because the burdens, we are heaping that cross on our backs. When God's like, I already did that. I did that. I did it for you. But it happened because our eyes are not fixated on him. And sometimes you're bent over and sometimes it even looks like this. It's like, God, I don't understand. I don't understand why all this chaos is around me. But I choose. I make a choice, a conscious choice to trust you and to focus on you and your eyes of holy burning love. The eyes that are for me and not against me. The eyes that are cheering me on in heaven with the very host up there who are literally cheering us on with the saints that have gone before us. You know, I've seen that. If you knew, if you really knew the cheering section that you had, 
in heaven. You would never look to the right and you would never look to the left. I've seen them and there's a lot. And they're saying, yeah, come on, you can do it. Come on, you've got this. You've got this because you've got Jesus. Spirit, I thank you for the ministering work that you're doing in hearts right now. I thank you that you're setting everything straight. Everything that's been out of order, you're setting it straight right now. And we praise you for it, God. In setting our affections on him, in valuing what he says above every other voice, that tries to chime in your ear. I mean, I'm assuming you know this, but maybe you don't. I had to be taught this. Not all the voices you hear in your head are you. The enemy cannot read your mind, but he can certainly put thoughts in your mind. So don't contem- condemn yourself if you start having some awful thought. It very well could be the enemy himself. That's going to set some people free right there. In valuing what he says above every other voice, we find our rest and trust. As we focus on his goodness and his faithfulness, he can't be anything else. The enemy will want you to think that. In John 7, 37, 38, Jesus says, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You see, we cannot drink from the ways of the enemy, from the lies of the enemy. We must drink from the source that is pure, holy, and undefiled. We don't want our own hurts and fears to take his place because ultimately that is what the enemy of your soul wants. Do we trust God to restore, to bring great recompense? That word is in the Bible. Have you heard that? It means payback for suffering. (laughs) Ha ha! Or are we choosing to seek payback ourselves? Which empowers the enemy. A tragedy can even be something as simple as I spoke before as a negative word that was spoken against you that causes you to get stuck in that place of hurt and pain and anger and unforgiveness. The plan of the enemy is to plant these things in our hearts to rob us to rob us because he knows it's our rightful place he knows the victory is ours it's the only thing that he has control over is that which we give him to rob us of that victory and to disrupt our relationship with the Lord I just feel like the Lord and I know it's a long list but and this is not comprehensive there may be some other things that the Lord is speaking to your heart right now 
And I just pray right now for a supernatural discernment that is holy to be able to discern what is holding you back because he wants to show you right now. So I'm going to read again what he spoke. But there may be other things. Don't let this limit you. If there's something else Holy Spirit is showing you, So that which must remain behind, lies of the enemy, worry, doubt, offense, frustration, anger, bitterness, resentment, apathy, self-loathing, appeasement, foul and toxic relationships that you know are bad for you, regret, that's a big one to get you stuck, is living in regret. The I should-haves, the I shouldn't-haves, the why this, the why that, why didn't it happen, why did it happen? I'm really mad at you, God, that says, I don't really trust you in all things. Shame. That's another big one. Fear and anxiety. The word curses. Oh, Lord. If you really stopped, and I I have to deal with this myself, if you really stop and think of the things that you say out of your mouth, you would probably shock yourself. If you actually took note of it and wrote it down, or even something that the Lord's been teaching me is, even in your subconscious, start, I feel like he wants me to share this with you. Pay attention in your day and what's the talk that's way back here. It's way back in the recesses. It's like, that's where the enemy likes it hidden. What are you saying? He doesn't want to bring it right in front of you. Oh, look, yeah, you're an idiot. Okay, talk now. What are you telling yourself way back here? That is almost, you can't almost hear it, but it's constantly running. I just feel like he wants me to share that with you, something to do throughout your day. And write it down. Repent for it and come out of agreement with it. The word curses that you speak over yourself. Like, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I'll never forgive that person. Things will never change. I can't forgive myself. I'll never get over it. The hurts you have claimed, rights to. That's a big one. The vengeance you think is yours to have. Remember, God said, great recompense. The traumas of the past, hope deferred unmet expectations insecurities inadequacies hidden secrets and every sin that separates you from the very one who created you Father I ask right now that you grip every heart I ask that you release the supernatural surrender right now And that they will know, that they will know, that they will know without a shadow of a doubt that there is no safer place that they can be or that their hearts can be than the very hands of the Father. They just release that safety in this place right now. It's a safe place. This is a safe place. It's a safe place. When the seeds that the enemy attempts to plant in our garden of our hearts are not recognized enemy doesn't want us to know them right or dealt with or repented of or when they consume our focus they turn into the weeds that have the potential to choke out 
the very word of God that he has spoken to us, our identity in him, our promises. What you focus on will be multiplied. Focusing on the tribulation or the tragedy can steal the very word that he spoke over you. I love, um, I just heard Bill Johnson share an example of this, of, um, you know, what if God told you that you're going to have an anointing like Smith Wigglesworth, and if you don't know him, he had an amazing anointing for healing. And then you have a friend that becomes sick and you pray for them and they don't get healed. See, in that moment, you have a choice. Are you going to believe what God told you? Are you going to believe a lie that the enemy is trying to tell you that that's not going to happen? Oh, that must not have been right. That must not have been true. By giving attention to the enemy's seed, which is a lie, you begin to choke out God's word. So the question is, What has greater authority, God's word or the enemy's? Jesus said, I'm going to settle this right now. Jesus said he has all authority. So that means the enemy has no authority. It's that simple. It's black and white. The only way the enemy has any authority is if he steals it. He did it in the the garden with Adam by the lies he was fed. So the only way you empower the enemy is by believing his lies. This is crucial. This was the crucial of actually me coming to know the Lord because my whole life I believed his enemies. As we give authority to the devil, what was once powerless comes to undermine the power of God's word. All of the other seeds that turn into weeds that we entertain war with the word of the Lord over our lives. In the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about the seeds being choked out by the cares of this life. You can call them worries, anxieties, fears that we experience. This is, this is a big key, and I heard Bill Johnson talk about this once too, and the Lord's been speaking to me about it, is finding out where did we lose our peace can be a very good indicator of where we have believed a lie or lost our focus. I ask you to ask yourself today, do I really have peace? And I don't mean that as a blanket question. I really feel the Lord wants you to seek your heart right now. Do I really have peace? Or have I adjusted to the dysfunction that the enemy tried to bring in my life that I didn't even realize I lost my peace? And I think I'm walking in peace. I feel this is very crucial. God, I pray that you would bring a revelation and understanding right now to every heart. Ask yourself, do I really have peace? And then you look back and you find out, where did I lose it? What happened in my life that I lost my peace? That would be a very indicator of the point in which you came off the path. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 13, it's another promise. It says, every plant, every plant, 
which my heavenly father did not plant shall be uprooted. Every plant. That's what he wants to do today. Today, not tomorrow, not the next day. He wants to do it today. Can I ask the worship team to begin to come up as I continue? He's asking us to lay our lives down as a holy living sacrifice. To lay our hearts down, if you will. So that he can remove that which needs to be removed. He's asking us to give it all to him. There's that word all again. Ultimately, this is so he can release his glory upon us. His heavy, weighty presence upon us. We must have the ability to carry his glory before it can be released. Bill Johnson describes that the weightiness of God's glory will increase the fractures on an unsanctified life. The sanctified life is strengthened by the glory. The fractures are those fractures that are caused by the enemy's seeds. It causes a fracture in your heart. And I always prayed to the Lord. I said, don't ever release something before I'm ready. Because see, God, he desires to release victory. He desires to release triumph. That's his heart. But he's not going to release it to you until you're ready. Because the glory, his weighty presence, it could destroy you. And he would never do that, ever. But I love the way Bill says, the sanctified life is strengthened by the glory. And I just say, if you're ready to lay it all down, really ready. This is a pivotal time for you. As I said before, both individually and corporately. If you're ready to get unstuck, if you're sick and tired of being in transition, I don't like those words, transition, process. It's like, ah, and God's like, embrace the process. (laughs) If you're ready, God is here and releasing a grace to bring you from glory to glory. Grace is an empowerment. So he's saying, I'm going to empower you to let all that go. Empower you to let you go, let all of it go anything that would try to prevent you from entering God's desire victory for your life. All you need is to be willing and allow him to pluck out that which the enemy has planted in the garden of your heart. Truthfully, it's really in the letting go that you win. You know, the world will tell you the opposite. As you let go, you really feel this is a word for your place, and I actually can see it in the spirit. But as you let go, your heart is going to sing again. And I can just see it even this time when you you come together as a beautiful corporate church family that I just see hearts beginning to sing again. You can sing with your mouth, but when you sing with your heart, and as the word said, worshiping in spirit and truth, there's just something to be said about that. So I'm asking you right now, the Lord is asking you right now, 
to either come to this altar and allow him to have his way, trust him to take you where he knows that you need to be touched. If you're not comfortable with that, you can make an altar where you're at, but I encourage you to come. There's something to be said about surrender. There's something to be said about public surrender. Sometimes we shy away from that. You know, when I gave my life to Christ, and I'll I'll probably share it tonight, but because some of you I'm sure won't be there. I gave my life to Christ in front of millions of people with a camera in front of my face. If I could do that, I'm sure you could do it here. Come into your place of triumph. Come out of the plans of bondage that tragedy holds. Allow him to touch you. The word is allow to go deep, deeper than ever before. Your heart cannot be in a safer place than in the hands of the very one who thought of you before you were in your mother's womb. The anointing is here to break the yoke. I am telling you, God did not send me here to not do what he wants accomplished. I know my God, and he does not lie. The anointing is here for you to stand in victory, to stand in triumph, and to stay there, to stay there, to stay there. He is faithful. And he finishes what he starts. Come and receive your prize. It was him all along. It was him all along. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and have your way. I pray for hearing ears. Give us discernment to recognize the seeds that are there to choke out that which you've planted, God. I pray that every wall that has been put up to protect yourself will fall like the walls of Jericho. God, we invite you into every single chamber of our hearts, into the garden of our hearts, and pull out that which doesn't belong so that your seeds can flourish And we can carry your glory and be all that you've called us to be.